You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. In your Bibles, we're back into Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. Those of you that have been able to be here over the last many Sundays, you know we've been, um, been going through the book of Ephesians. And we got into chapter 5. If you remember, we got into verse 18, and the Bible taught us there to be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so the command of God for every Christian is that I'm supposed to be filled with the Spirit. I have said this several times on Sunday mornings before I got started with my message that many people probably think, yeah, that being filled with the Spirit thing is, you know, maybe that's for preachers or for super saints, but me, filled with the Spirit? Um, uh, That's probably not going to happen. But I will tell you, if you're saved and you know the Lord is your Savior, um, then really being filled with the Spirit is just a matter of you yielding your life to God just stop in your daytime and say, God, I yield myself to you the best I know how. Um, if there's sin in my life, confess your sin. Make it right with God and you get forgiveness if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So a genuine, heartfelt confession, you're, clen- you're cleansed from maybe what may have happened to you through the week or that day. And just say, God, here I am, would you use me? God's Spirit will be unleashed in you to be able to work a work through you. Um, It's not the super-duper Christian. It's a super-God that is allowed to do His great work in in a little human being like us. It's amazing what happens in, like the things we've already discussed in here, it's amazing what happens in marriage when people are spirit-filled. It's sad what happens when we're not spirit-filled. We all know that story as parents, as uh, husbands or wives. We know what that's like. But when I stop and yield and I let God have His way and do a great work through me, uh, it's amazing what can happen in, within the structure of marriage and in the number of different places that He has brought up here in, uh, in Ephesians. So uh, we talked about children last week, how they need to be obedient to their parents. And then we're going to get to another place where when a man, when a woman is walking in the Spirit, uh, what our life is supposed to look like, and that is found in Ephesians 5 or 6, down into verse 5. Ephesians 6 and verse 5. So this is when you go to work, but you can't wait to get out of here and go to work in the morning. That's what everybody just lives for, Monday mornings, right? Oh, I just love that alarm clock on Monday morning. Yeah, well, the Bible has something to say about that. And uh, it's, it has everything to do with walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. But let's read verse 5 through 9. God uses the word servants because in that day, their slavery was common. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. I slowed that down on purpose. I paused every um, punctuation mark and I wanted you to see what God was really saying to us. 
not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. You can't be a spirit-filled Christian and not be a heart Christian. With good will, doing service, and here's this phrase again, as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there a respect of persons with him. And then I want to pause there, and then we'll have prayer. Lord, thank you again for letting us be here in the Word of God and really showing Christians what it's like once we come to know Christ as Savior, what our Christianity ought to look like in every setting of life. Seems like you've touched on every one of those and how Christ could be seen in us. So God, would you, would you please grip our hearts today, um, uh, arrest our attention. If we're distracted, I pray that you'll draw us to you, Lord, and help us to give you the best of our day here today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Read this Friday. It says, reaching the end of a job interview, the human resources officer asked a young engineer fresh out of uh, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. So he's, he's interviewing this young man, and he says, and what starting salary are you looking for? And the engineer replied, well, somewhere in the region of $200,000, dollars a year, depending on the benefits package that you guys have to offer. The interviewer re- uh, inquires, well, what would you say to a package of five weeks vacation, 14 paid holidays, full medical and dental company matching retirement fund, uh, up to 50% of the salary, and a company car leased every two years, say uh, a red Corvette. Man, the engineer sits up straight and says, wow, are you kidding? And the interviewer replies, yeah, but you started it. right out of college and he's ready for a $200,000 job. It's funny the, the mindset people have about work. Where they go first when you talk about work. What works in your heart and in your mind. And if you got into a conversation with somebody, doesn't matter who it would be, about work, it's amazing how Christians talk about work kind of sad really in light of what God has to say about it and it's all because of our attitude or our lack of understanding what work is really supposed to be for us most of us would say when asked why do you work uh, you'd say something like well I, I gotta I gotta pay the bills you know I mean who else is gonna come in and you know put food on the table and clothes on our kids and all those kind of things and so gotta have a job so we can earn some money. And sure, without doubt, the Bible even says that if a man doesn't take care of his own, his own family, that he's worse than an infidel, for sure. And uh, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat and all those kind of things. Yeah, the Bible does say that. But if that's your number one reason for going to work, you're missing it. You're missing it biblically. 
and you're missing everything that could happen, um, you know, Friday through or Monday through Friday, or if it goes through Saturday for you, you're missing what could really be taking place in your life all week long. And God comes along, puts it in perspective for us and says, by the way, guys, when you work, when you go to work, here's some things I want you to remember. Uh, somebody said nothing ruins a Friday more than realizing it's just Tuesday. You ever done that? You just woke up and you just would swear it was a certain day and it wasn't a certain day. And like I've said, many if, if not most Christians view their jobs as just this necessary evil to just get over with each day rather than an opportunity to let Christ be seen in our life. I'm going to expound on those thoughts. Those kinds of people, those kinds of Christians are clock watchers, extended break takers, and complain just like the rest of the other employees at work, saved or lost. They just, just the way it is with many, and I'd have to say probably in some cases most Christians even. And it's pretty amazing how much thought we give to our, our comfort and our pleasure at work, how much criticism we give to our bosses, and how little consideration we give to God at work. That's why it's such a boring thing for you. You cannot wait for Friday at 5 o'clock or whatever time it is you get off work. You can't wait to be done with work. And finally, my weekends are here and I'm, I'm excited now. Finally, I've got a weekend. So first of all, let's take a look at how God lays this out for us. Very first thing God does is lays out a very clear command. There's, you can't mistake this. Look with me again in verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Servants, be obedient. You say, I was talking about slaves in that, uh, in that passage, and there's times I feel like a slave when I go to work. I feel like I'm treated like a slave. But you need to understand that in, in, our, in our day and age, this translates over to a, a boss and an employee situation. So, <clears throat> Back in Paul's day, during the time that this epistle, this letter, was being written, if a servant didn't obey, just think about this. You think about these kind of servants. If a servant didn't obey, back in Paul's day, or let's say they just messed up on a job, didn't get the job done right, it's amazing what their master could actually do to them. A slave was the possession of their owner. I mean, it was just like a, another tool in their hand, and if they didn't like the tool, they could do whatever they wanted with that tool. And it's recorded. You can go back. It's just a very simple find that you look at slaves under the Roman Empire, that some of the more cruel slave owners, they could do things like gouge the eye out of a man who had messed something up or had made a mistake out of something. They, they could beat them. They could even kill their slaves, and it was, it was not against the law. They were their possession. And that's the way many of them were treated, especially if a slave owner or their master was a, somebody who didn't know Christ as Savior. And what was really sad, and you're going to find it out in this passage, even some of them, after they became Christians as bosses or slave owners, still had those traits in them and had to get some things straightened out in their lives to understand how God would want a boss to be. How many of you say, I'd like a boss who knows the Lord and lives like God wants him to live. Anybody else say amen to that? Just three of you and the others enjoy life as it is. Or your boss is sitting in here. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. 
Your boss wishes every employee was saved and acted like it. Promise you that. <clears throat> it's estimated, um, going back and reading in the books, it's estimated that either up to like a third, maybe even up to a full half of the Roman Empire were slaves. And uh, what was going on is that many of those slaves, Paul and his, um, his fellow uh, workers that were working with him were getting through the kingdom. And as you know, Paul even got into prison. And in prison, he was, he was leading, you know, uh, those Roman elite Roman soldiers to the Lord. And those Roman soldiers were making their way into the palace. And many in the palace were getting saved. And people throughout this Roman empire were getting saved. And some of them were slaves. And some of them knew now that they had this wicked slave owner. And, uh, and they're like, what am I as a Christian supposed to do with a guy like him, with a boss like that? What are Christians supposed uh, to do? So you can imagine the hatred that may have welled up in their hearts. And, and, uh, and so Paul is coming along here and he's giving them the mind of Christ about their service to their masters. And again, it's a direct carryover today to the boss-employee relationship that we have. It's, it's really not a whole lot different in its, um, uh, the way God expects us to live our lives out than if when you go to work, and I don't know if you still, you still clock in. Is there anybody that still has a time card? Anybody like that? Yeah, a couple still do. All right. And, um, and, and then uh, trying to report to uh, the supervisor uh, or your boss and make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. Christians are to obey their employer explicitly and immediately unless it requires you to do something that would be, please hear this, unless it's something that would require you to do something directly against the written word of God. For we ought to obey man, God rather than man. And I understand there's some bosses and some people that you've worked for that would expect you to, to uh, you know, whatever they say, even if it's immoral, if it's ungodly. And in the case of the Christian, Christian, you are to obey your boss. You say, well, I just can't obey him. It's not, he's not asking me to go against the word of God. I just can't obey that boss. Then you are working in the wrong place. And need to find a, a job where you can learn how to obey. But the idea probably is, if you can't obey this guy here, you're going to have problems in the next place as well. The problem's not always. I understand sometimes it really is. The problem's not always with your boss. Sometimes it's with your heart. And Paul comes along and says, Christians need to learn how, when you show up at work, that people need to know that you are a Christian. And your boss needs to see you being the kind of guy that's obedient and doing what you're, you're told to do without question. You're not having to be harped on all the time and being checked on all the time because, after all, people don't do what you uh, expect. They do what you inspect. And so I've always got to inspect this guy's life, and I can never trust him. That ought not to ever be said about a Christian at work. When a Christian is at work, the boss ought to be able to tell you what to do. And because you have a relationship with God in heaven, and you know who your real authority really is, then you become obedient and do what you're told to do. Now, we're going to go a little further with this, and I understand some people are thinking about their boss at work. Listen, does anybody remember Adolf Hitler? Do you know he had a younger brother? He, were, he was the owner and operator of uh, Murphy's down in Franklin, Ohio, and I worked for him. Hitler's brother was my boss. 
And I know what it's like to work for a guy like that. I know what it's like to not be appreciated and to feel trampled on. And as soon as you get one task done, there's a list of 20 other things to do. And I, I know what it's like, and I know what it's like to have the attitude as well. I really do. And I, I really, truly wish I could go back and find that guy. He's probably in eternity now. I don't know if you knew the Lord or not. But I, I, wish, I, could, I wish I could make some things right with some of my employers that I've had and uh, to let them realize there really is somebody that's different in me and it should have reflected in my actions and in my life. So number one, we're supposed to obey and then we need to obey. Here's the deal and this will change the way you work. This will change how obedient you are and your attitude about getting to work and all those things. If you can learn to obey as if you were serving God and not man, that's very clear in this passage of scripture. So Let's look at verse 5 again. Would you go there with me? Just the very last little phrase there. After he tells him to be obedient, notice what he says, as unto Christ. And then look at verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And then verse 7, with good will doing service as to the Lord now here's a bell ringer, and not to men. Problem with many of us that go to work and we're upset and frustrated all the time when we come home and slam our tools down and get in the door and we're griping and complaining about work all the time. Part of our problem is this, guys, please hear this. You went to work to work for a man. And God says, try going to work and work for me. And when your boss tells you something to do, do that as if you're doing it for me as if you're doing it to be obedient to God because in essence as you are being obedient to the authority that is over you you're really being uh, obedient to the higher authority that his authority came from which is God and when I when I go to work and when I when I'm working and then I'm you know swinging the hammer or, or turning the wrench or whatever it is I am doing then if you can just understand I'm here to serve God I want to please the Lord I want to make God happy with my day. I, I got some grumpy people around me while I'm trying to do that. There's even this one guy who runs around here called the boss that is, is a little hard to work for sometimes, but I'm really glad to know that I'm not really working for them. I'm working for God. I'm serving the Lord. I mean, it'll change your attitude about what you do at work and the way you go in and the way you come out and the way people talk about you at work and after work it it does um so again you may be having a bad day uh you you may have a a boss that you say is is a jerk um and doesn't make a lot of sense but your problem in many cases is not the boss in many cases you're working for him instead of god let that sink in for a little bit if i can just shift it to a new employer and realize I'm doing this to be pleasing to the Lord. Men will make their mistakes and God will give his grace to you to work through a boss's mistakes and and his attitude sometimes. But if you can be patient in the midst of being uh, under somebody like a boss like that, it's amazing the light that will begin to shine through you and what others will begin to see in your life. So, Most people just view doing their job as something they do to please the guy in the office. And that's a very frustrating place to work. 
But again, your whole attitude will change when you decide that you're not working for a man, but rather you're working for God. God makes a much better boss. When God is your boss, guys, think about this. When God is your boss, it's so much easier to do it with, what did he say up here, with fear and trembling? I'm supposed to serve that guy with fear and trembling? Well, in actuality, if you understand where his authority comes from, and it's from God, then you can do it with fear and trembling. You can do it as if you're doing it for God. Um, when God is your boss, you can do it with what he said up there a while ago, with singleness of heart. In other words, you can work not to just get a paycheck or to get through another boring day, but you can work knowing that I'm serving the Lord. It's in singleness of heart. I understand what this workplace is really all about. I'm thankful I get to pay the bills and put food on the table, but in reality, there's something much deeper here. When God is your boss... This is a big one, guys. When God is your boss, you're not that man-pleaser. Remember that wording? Look at the end of verse 7 again. As to the Lord and not to men. All right? So when God is your boss, you're not a man-pleaser. You know, working while the boss is there, but once he's gone, you watch his car drive away. Man, you slack off and you waste time and money. And the whole time, God's up in heaven saying, I wish I was the one leading your life. I wish I was the one that didn't just lead your life on Sundays, but on Monday, you come here and let some man lead your life. You're a man pleaser. You're somebody that as long as somebody's watching you, tries to do what you can do. But when the boss is gone, it doesn't matter because nobody's watching me. And you might as well go ahead and say it. Not even God. When in reality, he ought to be the one foremost on your heart and mind. I'm here serving God. I'm not here to serve the man. Spirit-filled employees get the big picture while they're at work. They back away from just these fellow employees and, and your boss. They rise up above that and realize there's a much bigger picture at play here. I'm a servant not to this boss or to this workplace. I'm a servant to God. And because of that, I'm going to do my best. This is my opportunity at this moment, on this Monday morning, at eight something in the whatever it is in the morning. This is my opportunity to demonstrate my obedience to God. Some of you are up at bright and early. I've talked to Nathan. He's up at five o'clock BC, BC before coffee. And some of us just aren't worth a whole lot before coffee. But maybe your coffee hasn't kicked in. Maybe you're, maybe you're tired. Maybe the boss just comes down on you and you don't understand why. Just remember who you're serving. So when you work for the Lord, you know what's so good about that? You get God benefits. What do you mean? Well, look at verse 8. Please look at verse 8. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. We worked, I worked at a union camp when we made um, these big rolls of paper would come in. They'd ship them in. We'd put those big rolls of paper on these called them lino prints, and they'd go through this machine to put lines on them, and they'd go down this end, it would chop it up, and then, and then we would make notebook paper out of them and all kinds of stuff. And, and if we broke a record, which meant you worked so hard through the day like slaves to break a record, you got more notebooks put together in this day than at any other time in the history of this company, you got this big 
a benefit, and it was a tremendous benefit. And one day we broke the record, and the guys were all high-fiving each other, and they came around with our candy bar. Well, I guess it was better than nothing. You know what that did for the guys who wanted to try to break the record next time? I'll go buy my own candy bar. I'll buy two of them, two-pack, you know? You know what I like? It's when God gives the benefits unbelievable what God can do for you the right attitude the right spirit that God can give things start working together uh, people begin to see God in your life when God gives the benefits when you serve in the right way and and it may not seem like anybody's noticing and and I'm just trying to do this for God but my boss is uh you know he's that cranky old guy that I just hate working for I hate working with all these guys around me but you just decide I'm going to do it as if I'm doing this for God your whole attitude will begin to change and God is up in heaven keeping record of everything and God will begin to reward you in a manner that nobody else can. It's better than candy bars too, I can tell you that. God keeps great records. The employer then is also to demonstrate the same godly traits as the employee. Look in verse 9. If you happen to be a boss or in some position of authority, whether you're the boss or not, the Bible says, and ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respective persons with him. So what does he say to the boss? He says to the boss, uh, just like I've told the employee, uh, employee, uh, to, to, to work and to serve as if he was doing it for God, you need to be the kind of boss that has God in mind and that loves those people out on the floor and gave his life for those employees that are out on the floor, and I want you to treat them with mutual respect. I understand there's a difference in, in authority and positions that we hold and, and the, the jobs that we are to do, but just because I'm the boss and I, and I have this authority, you, you ever met the guy when it goes to his head and he runs around telling everybody what to do and he just loves doing that? Uh, you can tell that it, he's, uh, we're just little minions out there and, and we're uh, under his thumb. God help the employee who has a boss who doesn't understand there's a God in heaven keeping record and doesn't live like that. But to the employer, employer that's how God expects them to live uh, just as well, all right? And then I want to take my last few minutes, and let me say this. We need to understand, please hear this, everybody. If, if I've rocked you to sleep on these first few minutes, please wake up and hear this. We need to understand that work is one of the best places to show what real Christianity looks like. It's the best mission field for the people in church on Sunday. Really, it is. I want you to, you can lose your place here now and go over to the right to 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's go quickly to 1 Peter chapter 2. You've got the book of Hebrews, you've got the book of James, and you've got 1 Peter. I want you to see this. 1 Peter 2. Everybody there? Go quickly here now. 1 Peter 2, drop down to verse 18. We're going to get right into this. Please listen carefully. Verse 18 says, Servants, here we go again, be subject to your masters with all fear. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward, somebody that's really harsh. So the same idea, same spirit that Paul had, Peter is now demonstrating to us. 
But he adds to it a little bit. Listen to verse 19. For this is thankworthy. That means God looks down and he says, that's the kind of thing I can bless. That's the kind of Christian I want to use in this life. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God, he's working for God and not man. With that in mind, he goes ahead and endures grief, suffering. Everybody got this next word here? Wrongfully, meaning you didn't deserve that. That should have never happened to you. That's what that means. You're suffering wrongfully. You didn't do the wrong. Somebody else may have even done that. But God says it's thankworthy when, you're, when you endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Now listen to verse 20. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? In other words, you got in trouble and you did it and you know it and it was on purpose and, and uh, there's no glory in that. Now let's finish the verse up. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now, acceptable with God means that's the kind of person I want to bless. Remember a while ago, it's God said he'll recompense, he watches everything, and he'll pay back all the good things that people do. This is what God is saying, that this is acceptable with me. Here's the kind of Christian I can draw up next to me. He may not realize that I've kept an eye on him, and I've watched what's, how he's worked at the workplace, but this is acceptable to me, God says. And, and it's the kind of Christian I can pour the blessings into their life and that I can and really cause their, their, their children and uh, all that they do to kind of prosper in a tremendous way. And he tells us why. This is what you can't miss. Look at verse 21. For even hereunto were ye, hey, Christians, us, called. God said, I've called you to a life of suffering at times when you didn't deserve it and you need to take it patiently. Why? Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Now he takes it further and shows us what that looked like. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, put down, mocked, made fun of, Reviled not again when he suffered. Guys, do we need to go into that? What his body and face looked like? Indescribable. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. In other words, I'm going to go through this uh, with God in mind. Now look into verse 24 and 25. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. When he was beaten for things he didn't even do wrong, it brought healing to me. I was the offender. Verse 25, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. You know what he said there at that last verse? There was a time when you were on your way to hell you didn't have Christ as Savior. Your sins were still on you. But now you are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Now that somebody was willing to go to a cross, please hear this, because someone was willing to sacrifice themselves for things that they did not do. Jesus didn't deserve one of the things that happened to him, not even one. It was things that you and I had done, uh, and, and it was put on him. 
and yet he was willing to go to a cross, suffer and die for what others did wrong so that you and I could be then brought into a right relationship with his father. And now look how we, you know, we're saved. We're, we're one of his children and we, we're living for him today. And, and he's up in heaven, looks down and says, everything I went through on the cross was worth it to see these people come to me. So now let's go to the workplace, guys. And God said, I have called you, you, to this. Times where you suffer, where work is not so good, maybe the boss is not understanding, and, and it's really hard at work, and, I, and I'm in trouble from time to time for what somebody else did wrong or didn't do, and I'm always having to make up for this person and that person, and what we uh, fail to realize is that what an opportunity for me to take that dark moment in my life and let Christ shine through me instead of my you know, old rotten flesh and my rotten attitude that many times will come out in, our, in us. I let Jesus Christ live his life through me. That in the process, those very people who have treated me so wrongly can eventually possibly be brought into a right relationship with the Father. I, I've not had it happen a whole lot, and I'm certainly not trying to bring myself up, place myself up front or anything, because I've heard many others say the same thing, and if I could just use my testimony. But every now and then in life, I have had some people say to me, something's different about you. What is that? And I've had an opportunity just to share with them what God has done for me. One guy said to me one time, he said, Phil, you're always smiling. Why, why can you just smile all the time? And I didn't realize that. I really didn't realize that. But it gave me an opportunity to share what Christ had done for me. I could have never done that if I had been the griper and the complainer right along with everybody else. I have a, I have a brother-in-law married to my twin sister, and I, I believe he could be rightly called a recruiter, if I understand it right. And he tries to recruit people to work uh, certain jobs, and he knows what's available, and he tries to recruit them and, and get them a job and uh, to give them a, a, a good position at, at a good job. And he's hoping that he's got a good employee, employee that can be brought into, but as the recruiter, he's out there looking for the people that are open for that kind of a position to work. Let me just say this. There is a recruiter in here this morning. It's the Holy Spirit of God who's looking for people who one day could be brought into a right relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, who would make great workers for the Lord, who would give their lives in service to God and could understand, number one, I may not be qualified right now, but I know one who can qualify me. He's the one that hung on Calvary right here so that I could be right with his Father. And if you can understand this morning, if you don't know Christ as Savior this morning, God can cleanse those sins by the blood of his own son who suffered and died for what you already did. And now God calls us and says, I, I would love for you to be a part of my family. And then once you're part of the family, be in service with the rest of Christianity. So if you're here this morning and don't know Christ as Savior, 
Man, I want to challenge you this morning. This would be a great time as the Holy Spirit of God ministers across this congregation and works in the heart of people and shows us our lost condition and our need to get saved. I I would pray that you'd yield to God and let God save you today. We give an invitation at the end and we would love to be able to, to kneel with you and show you from the Word of God how to know Christ as your Savior this morning. But I'll say to the Christians here this morning, Would you please look in your own heart and life and look at what it's like at work. Do you recognize that workplace is a place where I can demonstrate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the life of God through me? And that when bad things happen, I continue just to to move on and I try to just continue to serve and uh, try to have a good attitude recognizing I don't serve those people. I'm serving God. And eventually... There'll be something very attractive about that. That people will begin to see you're not like all the other complainers. And you may get laughed at and made fun of and the, and the, the brunt of some jokes at work, but when those people go home and lay down in bed and their heart is breaking over something that's going on and they're searching for anything in life that has any kind of brightness to it, that Christian at work that serves his God with the right attitude will come to mind. You might be amazed at the opportunities you'll have to bring someone to the Lord at the workplace that you could change it to a mission field if you just have the right attitude that God wants us to have. So would you bow your head with me this morning, our heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God to bless and work in our invitation this morning. Our heads are bowed and eyes closed. Again, nobody looking about. If we could, this is an opportunity for others to be able to respond to the Lord and not have to worry about that. So our heads bowed and eyes closed. Before I pray, could I just ask, is there anyone that would just say, hey, preacher, just could you remember me in prayer? I'd really appreciate it. I'd love to have uh, the knowledge that someone's praying with me and for me about some things that have come up in my heart today. Would you pray for me? Could you just slip your hand up real quick? Just real quick and right back down. Thank you, friend. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Keep me in prayer. Thank you. God, I thank you for your word and how directly you deal with us and how you deal with us at every level and every station in life. It was pretty clear this morning what you were saying to us. And I'm asking that that Holy Spirit of God to minister to every Christian here this morning to have a new determination what it might be like for me at work tomorrow and the rest of my life, who I'm going to go to work for, to have a new attitude, possibly for those I work with and those that I work for. And God, please give us, Lord, that willingness to suffer at times, wrongfully even, to take it patiently and let the light of Christ be seen in us. You, you know what's in the heart of every hand that has gone up this morning and what the need is. And God, I'm asking you sincerely, will you speak to those hearts and bless and help and meet the needs represented? Most of all, if someone's not saved, God, I pray that during this invitation, you would draw them to you. And I'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand, if you will. Our heads are bowed and eyes closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.